podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap. It is a Sunday. It is the end of the Anfield Wrap's free week review. will be out later today and there will be a post-match show after Liverpool women play Bristol City. Uh, but normal service resumed from Monday. Uh, I am joined by Neil Docking, by Andy Bell and by Paddy Fitzsimons on this early, early Sunday start to get everything in over the course of the day. Uh, later on, after the game, uh, Liverpool women versus Bristol City, I will be going to the Clipper, which is a Green King pub. It is the season for festive football and the best way to watch it is at your local Green King pub. After all, it's a time to catch up with friends, old and new, uh, and get down for refreshing pints, delicious food and live action uh, of every Christmas game. It's every fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon will be on there. It'll be wall-to-wall action because that's the way Christmas works. So head to your local Green King pub and watch every single winning goal slash contentious penalty slash uh, the idea of Liverpool saving the day in an atmosphere worth sharing uh, with one another at the Green King Sports pubs as they're going through the year. Download the app and you'll get 10% off drinks every single time the sport on the telly. I've mentioned our free week. We'll get on with the game. Um, Andy Bell, let's not pull up bunches. You were there. I think it was Liverpool's. You know, we can now do the cold light today. Liverpool are top of the league. Arsenal did fail to drop points yesterday. It was wonderful. It was a series of hugs. It was unbelievable delight. It was a side that had pulled it round. But it was Liverpool's poorest league performance of the season, I think, by some distance. Yeah, there's uh, strangely enough being top of the league and what 37 points from from 16 games. There have actually been a couple of contenders for that. Um, you know, obviously yesterday probably I, I do think takes it, but there's Luton as well. There's Wolves. Um, although I think the proport- the ratio of bad to to good at Wolves was slightly higher. Uh, sorry, good to bad was slightly higher than the ratio of good to bad yesterday. It's just 15 minutes, isn't it? But oh, honest to God, I had my um, similar to you guys. I had my work Christmas night out on the Friday night. Um, received a ticket about 7 a.m. The only way. I could get down really was the uh, a coach that left at 5 a.m. And when that 4 a.m. alarm went off, I was I was questioning my, my weekend choices. I and you say. were probably also questioning them at about 2 p.m. Uh, 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 well, I was going to say, 75 minutes in, I was questioning my entire life choices. It was, <laughs> it was that bad. But uh, the last 15 minutes made uh, the entire day and the entire weekend totally worth it. And, you know, yeah, being in that end, it did feel... I'm not sure how it came across on the TV, but I felt like despite the, the performance for 75, I still thought we were we were pretty loud. The atmosphere was quite good. We were getting behind the boys. We knew how much it would have meant to us to, to win that game. And, and at the end... And it's just it's just one of the best let offs you'll ever see. Um, every bit of it, Paddy, from the from the outset, just looks wrong. And it's interesting. The manager, um, I saw his, his his comments to the BBC after the game, and he was very much. We thought they'd be devoid of confidence. We were meant to set up to exploit that fact. And he said for seventy seven minutes, I hated it, hated every minute of it. And you know the idea that he's acknowledging it was a Crystal Palace side that Liverpool will have felt were vulnerable. They did absolutely nothing to take exception to take uh, advantage of the of the vulnerabilities of Crystal Palace. Yeah, I suppose it's an um, it's a pattern though, isn't it? Now that we've seen stretch to the back and well, nearly all of last season really with these away games where going into it, you think you know they're struggling. The, 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 we should be the side to put the nail on the coffin, possibly for the manager losing his job, things like that. The pressure's been on them all week, and Liverpool just seem to give these sides all the encouragement in the world. Whether it's you know. They don't exactly go for it from the beginning, but also just just basic things like passing's being short and, mm. and you know and not not quite not quite getting going, attacks breaking down. You know all you want to think you know at the start of a game like that is just a, a sustained period of pressure. You know first five ten minutes, win a couple of corners. You know ideally you score a goal, but you know you, you 
that, that might not that might not happen. But if you keep them pending for five ten minutes, their players are going to start thinking, "Yeah, this is as hard as this is as hard as we thought it was." All we can say, and this is going to be an absolute slog of a game. And you've seen Liverpool sides go to Palace and do that. I was yeah. I was expecting them to. I'll be honest, I I was really disappointed because I actually thought I've seen us be good on this ground and I've seen us be really imposing on this ground, and they don't impose. Yeah, and it was it was the first it was the first game in a while where you know I, I, they really annoyed me. Because I think some of the, excuses, <laughs> I think some of the excuses we've made for them, you know, at times this season. Listen, I'm overjoyed with us being top of the league. You know, the, the results at, at tea time as well with Arsenal. There's loads to be positive about in terms of big picture stuff for Liverpool. The, the, the more the more the season goes on, the more I'm excited about what this side's going to do. Possibly in the short term as well, the end of the season winning things. But I think if you to look at at individual games and especially yesterday, you know. I don't want to make any excuses for them because even legs, I don't think, can really be an issue. You can talk about training times and things and the fact that they've had games in between and, and, and I know it's a busy period, but loads of them had, you know, the majority of Wednesday off. Loads of them were coming in with fresh legs. You know, not all of them can have that excuse. And I just thought to be that off it from the start, like, it's, it's getting to the point now where, the, you know, the goalkeeper bails them out at a point yesterday about, about half an hour in with that save. And then, you know, in another world, the way the, the way the VAR has been, that penalty could just get given. You know, you have no confidence that, that that's going to get ruled out another week, and then and you're a goal behind even earlier. So, you know, it, it has to stop. They need to be better from the beginning in these games because you know it will catch them out. I think at some point, the best time I think always think Neil to be harsh uh, about them is when they've won. Uh, I think it's easier because obviously we all feel great as Andy says. You get the let off. I mean, it was I don't care where anyone was watching it. It was it was spectacular in the red line, let alone the away end. <laughs> you know, it was genuinely memorable. So you get that, you get that moment, you get the release. We had all of that yesterday, but I do, th- you know, to a lot of Paddy's point there, I do feel as though they've, they've, they're going to have to find ways to improve. It's the end of a long week. We know it is. Uh, Paddy's right. Also, the manager could pick more fresh legs as well. I would point that out. Uh, he doesn't choose Elliot or Jones from the out, from the off. He makes that call himself. And as I say, for 75 minutes, they only really, I thought, Van Dijk and Allison rose above it uh, for the first 75 minutes of the match. Yeah, I was surprised with some of the selections because, you know, it, we almost got the game, well, a game that I expected in many ways, the third game in seven days, 12.30 kickoff, weather looked atrocious, which again is something you can only say after you've won, so it's not <laughs> yeah. a pathetic excuse. Obviously, high winds, the rain was be- pouring down. Um but I saw the lineup, and there was a few players there who I think currently are best served from the bench. Um, Graven Birch being one of them, um, because I'm not sure if it's a fitness thing with him particularly at the moment. But I thought we would bring in fresh legs in terms of Curtis Jones, and as you say, the energy of Elliot. Um, we didn't see that. They asked Endo to go again. I thought at, for large parts of that first half, it was just how slow we were to every decision. Everything, nothing was being done quickly enough for my liking. Didn't have the the tempo or the intensity that I wanted to see. And Palace, we knew they were going to be a difficult opponent, but they were funneling, funneling everything down the centre. There was no width, particularly on the right-hand side. We have the three players on the right, um, Trent, Sobosli and Salah, all looking to come in all the time. So it was obvious that we weren't be able to stretch what is one of the smaller pitches in the league. And it, it just became very frustrating very quickly. And I, I think after about maybe 20 minutes where, where I thought we were okay, over the next sort of 10, 15, I just thought, oh, this is going to be one of those terrible days for us at the office. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. And it's, um, I think, on Paddy's point, uh, with regards to these, these tricky away games where we give these teams so much encouragement, a crowd like Palace, who, by the way, for, for you know, 
all rules about how you should be at half twelve go out the window with them. They were they were great as well, and they always are great. And there's it's worth saying there's never any issue when you go down there. There's never any singing about um, all the nonsense that we we hear at Anfield week in week out. They just get behind their own team. They're brilliant. There's no issues in the divide, um, and just like generally a really pleasant place to go. I love the ground. Um, just, just really enjoyed the day in general. Post two PM, I should say, um, but I, I think you know you, you look at the, the 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 fixtures we have left um, away from home, and you, you know, listen, your top six, Brighton and Villa, you know, are, are the games where a, a point is no disaster. Teams are going to go there, our rivals are going to go there. They're going to drop points in those games. Then you've got sort of the bottom three or four. Um, but in terms of the way games that are left this season, we've got Burnley, um, Bournemouth, Brentford, Forest, Everton, Fulham, West Ham, and that sort of not pushing Europe, but probably not going to be down right at the bottom either. And those are the games that concern me slightly in terms of title race. I think we'll beat everyone at home, more or less. I think give, give or take uh, a stinker or a draw here or there, I think we'll beat everyone at home. I think we'll beat the the, the real draws away. But those are the games where, as I say, it seems it seems like we are always going 1-0 down. It seems like we're slow out of the blocks. Uh, it seems like the team selection is not quite right or we always need to change it off the bench. And I think it might just be worth getting that right from the start because you can't afford to throw in too many of those. At some point, you know, the Elliott shot is going to hit the post and go out and you drop points. At some point, you know, Wolves are going to be 2 or 3-0 up rather than, um, rather than missing the chances and we're going to drop points there. So... We've got away with it a couple of times now and we need to really sort of think about what we're going to do in these games to take control of it from the start and make sure we get these points comfortably. There's there's something with them, Paddy, where I want to be really clear about this because what they've shown is unbelievable character uh, in adversity over the course of the season. Unbelievable uh, from so many of them and different players have stepped up at different times when that adversity has been there. So this is a bit of a funny sentence in that I think... When there's a little bit of adversity, I don't think they're being very good. When there's a load of adversity, they're being they really stood up to it. But when, so in that first twenty minutes, I think that the word, the key word that's being used is frustrating. And I think they get frustrated with themselves, they get frustrated with each other, and the performance just erodes. It just gets worse. They don't start very well, and then by twenty five. It's almost like every every under hit pass means that the next one will be worse again, and that I think that's you know that 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 that's an oddness with this side at the minute. I think I think there's elements of times where I'm watching them and I feel a bit like you're all doing you're all doing your own heads in and you're doing each other's heads in, and that's why this is getting worse, not better. Yeah, and I think at times as well, I think some of them wanted a bit a bit easy in them games first ten fifteen. I think they want to ease their way into it. I think we're doing something that's like really annoying me at the moment in the middle of the pitch where it's it's just really congested and they all seem to want to take it off each other's toes with these really short passes but you walk on a tightrope there because it only takes one of them to not be on it or, or, or then to nick it back and then they've got the they've got a switch on there or they've got a break and all your midfielders are wrong side yeah and that's I mean on a, on a wider point we might come on to talking about individuals but I've got a bit of a problem with the shape at the minute in terms of what we're trying to do with, with Trent and things like this because I just think I don't think it's helping us at all starting off in them games how congested the middle of the pitches that they want it to be that way and then we're putting all our best players right there and then wondering why we're not, we're not stretching the pitch wondering why we're not getting the ball out wide wondering why we can't seem to make a chance and it's because everyone's stood on each other's toes and directly in the middle of the pitch um, It's inhibiting Svoslai isn't it? But yeah, you can see the Trent move is inhibiting Svoslai in his game I think that's yeah. grown as the season's gone on But that's, that's my biggest problem with it I think is you know I think we can we can have a wider chat about centre midfield, but I, I think what I think the people who support that idea, I think what they sort of envisage him to be is, in my opinion, what Sabozla is, and so it's, I think for, for me it's one or the other, or, or you just tell him to play right back and play behind them because I just don't think you're getting the best out of either of them when 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 they're, when they're both in each other's way. I think I think they are your two best, the most gifted footballers on the side. 
So what, when they just, uh, I don't need them playing two yard passes with each other and taking off each other's toes. I need one of them to, to put a really good quality cross into the box or one of them in space beating a fullback. And I just don't think you're getting any of that. I think I think I just think we need to be smarter first fifteen and, and, and help each other out a bit more and think about it because you know people suggest about Endo struggling a little bit and you know I, I understand that in a sense, but also like if you're playing football in that game, you can quite clearly see that he's the one that they're choosing to press. You know, he's the one that they think we can nick it off. And I just think a couple of times we're giving the ball in areas where you think lads, you know, just. just you know, just switch the play. You're not helping him out here at all. I, I thought he actually done all right. I think, you know, you know, a lot was made of him being you know, hooked at half time. I don't think it was that. I think he played, you know, he played full game midweek, and I think they wanted to change a little bit. I actually thought he did all right. He's always available for that little bounce pass to pop it back off to someone else. But, but also he was quite clearly the one that they decided. You know, he's the one we can get the ball off. And I just don't think we helped each other else. You know, with, with that. Yeah, I think um, the the greatest example of that party was the first penalty. Yeah, uh, when we give him it in that area, and uh, I know like there's there's managers. Mourinho always goes on about how much he hates that pass into the six. Um, you know because it's it's such a it's such an easy one to press, and sort of if you don't get it right, unless you have like a top top level midfielder there, there's a good chance the ball's going to be turned over, and obviously that happens, and we we get away with it. And it is a foul, by the way. It it is a foul, but we don't get away with it in a, in a lucky sense, but we do in the sense that like probably wasn't the right ball to play. I think on Endo, you know, if you do look at that that side, and especially that midfield these days, you absolutely are gonna you absolutely are gonna target him, um, and they know that we're not gonna bypass Endo. We are gonna try and play it through, and we are gonna try and progress our way up the pitch. We're not gonna go long. We're not gonna play 40, 50 yard passes all the time. It's just not our game. Um, and I, th- I think absolutely he's brilliant to come in and, and do a job and I had no issue with him starting these games there's no issue with him starting 10 to 15 uh, league games this season if we have to do it and playing in the Cups I think his level's probably I would say around and maybe this has been a bit harsh on him around Lucas post-injury where was Lucas post-injury good enough to play 38 games in the league season to win us a league and get as far in the Champions League no would he have fitted into this current side over the last four or five years backing up Fabinho and giving him a rest here and there probably yes we could have kept that level and that's absolutely fine he's not the quickest in the world he's not the best in the ball in the world but he's not also not the worst um, or even in the worst half of the uh, defensive midfielders in the league on either of those counts either so um, you know there are, there are going to be some games where he's going to frustrate us he moves it quickly sometimes too quickly um, sometimes the, the quality and the accuracy of the pass isn't quite there but I don't think he's going to be an issue for us. But, but, also, but I think as well, though, if I'm in there, I'm just saying to the lads in front of me, if you go 1 0 up or 2 0 up, my life's so much easier. <laughs> just, and like it's, it's also it's not his job to create a, a chance for Liverpool or score a goal. So by no means did I think he was the, the issue first half. Right? I, 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 think, I think one thing we are lacking, and, you know, and, and I think it can come from other areas, but I think we really do miss Robertson in terms of getting us up the pitch. And they talked there about the passing to the six. So, so often when Robertson plays, there's that Van Dyke ball over to him because he's so far, he's so high up the pitch because he's quick. And I think I think you miss that ball out. And I also think you just miss him getting the ball, playing a one-two, and before you know he's carried the 30 yards. I think what you miss is you miss him gluing the left side together. And yeah. that's what you miss. Is, you know, I think he, he, he propels that left side, Paddy, so, so well. And I'm looking at them there. They all feel to me, Shimakas. Gravenberg and Diaz yesterday, they all felt like three individuals. There was, there was no, all three of them managed to be an island. And I was a bit like, well, that's odd. <laughs> because you're, you're all on the one flank. How are all three of you doing this? They, they all also really like a touch. Yeah. Whereas Robertson's really good at getting it out his feet and either popping it off or getting across in. Whereas, you know, they've all got the qualities, but, you know, they, they, like, they very much like having the ball at the feet for an extended period of time. And I think in them games, when, you, when you're trying to transition, 
you know, you just you're just asking to be pressed and get the ball taken off. You're grabbing Beatrice. I thought he was poor yesterday. Let, you know, let's have it right. I think he's really impressed in some games, but I did think he struggled yesterday. And I think his dribbling style and the way he plays, you know, it, it's got his advantages, but also. So I always think he does that Marnie thing where he takes that extra touch and then sometimes when he's at his best, you think the defender's going to get it and he nicks it away. But yesterday, every time he took that extra touch, it seemed like they were just getting the ball back off him and then, you know, you, you could do with your eights away from home, keeping the ball a bit better than that and also sustaining an attack because, you know, I'm not expecting every time we go forward for us to, to carve out a perfect chance, but as soon as it breaks down, I want us to keep them penned in their half and start again. I, I think we really struggled to just keep that, that cycle going yesterday. As soon as an attack broke down, it seemed to be like another two, three, four minutes before we were, we were ever trying that again. It's the connections between them and it's the connections between them and other teammates as well so that you can see that there's not that same understanding between Simicast and, and Diaz and it just doesn't function in the same way when we attack down the left with those two. But also, I don't think Nunes and Diaz, Nunes and Salah have got a, some brilliant combinations. They always look for each other, they always find each other, but I'm just not seeing that on the opposite flank between Diaz and Nunes. And sometimes they're picking up the same positions and they're making the same runs. There was one, I think, in the first half where Salah whips the cross across and they've both gone to the far post. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, Nunes presumably has got to go near post. They've got to vary it up. And so I guess that front three, which, which you know, is a bit's been made of the fact that we've obviously scored four at home against Fulham and none of them have scored. Uh, three of them started again yesterday. They've not scored. Um, didn't score midweek, although Nunes was off the bench, wasn't he, midweek? Yeah. But um, I guess they've not played a vast amount of football together as a three, but this is the first time they've almost had a little enforced run of it with Jota being injured, with them all being available, and with Nunes emerging as more of a starter. I, I don't think the balance is quite right at the moment with those three. I think, as well, on the point we're making about the cohesiveness, especially on the left-hand side, I agree Robertson's a massive part of that, but I also think just in general Jones is a massive part of that as well. I think he knits things together so well. And I, I, I agree with what's been said, and don't get me wrong, I think Gravenberg has probably a higher ceiling than Jones, and that's not to say Jones doesn't have a high ceiling, I just think Gravenberg is going to be a genuine superstar for us. But my goodness, could we do with a bit of Jones for a couple of games now? Just someone who can get the foot in the ball, progress us up the pitch, but then also once we're up five, ten yards up the pitch, keep a hold of it, get a nice pass in, get a pass in which gets us a bit of control. It feels Gravenberg every time at the minute he's trying to do what he's brilliant at, which is the gliding past Rodri at Man City and leading up to the the, the Trent goal, the, the 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 sort of just gliding past other midfielders at ease, leaving them in his wake. And he is great at that, but... Unfortunately, that's not always on. Um, sometimes the space isn't there. Sometimes the, the, the time of the game, it's just get the foot on it, get it backwards. Let's get a control of this. Let's take the sting out of it a little bit. I think we can just do with a little bit of Jones while Gravenberg gets his gets his mojo back, sort of gets his uh, gets it gets his gets his his head back on his shoulders um, and, and starts making those right decisions again. And with Robertson, it's Simicast just at the minute. He's he's trying to do this thing where he, every time he just gets it out of his feet and gets a cross in, and that's fine because he is quite good at that. But similar to what I was just saying about Gravenberg, it's not always on. Sometimes. It's just a five-yard pass backwards. Sometimes it's rebuild. And Robertson's great at making that decision right away. He knows. He scans the pitch. He sees what's in front of him. He sees who's on in the box. And if it's nothing or if it's not on, it's a five-yard pass backwards and we rebuild. Where Simicass either doesn't do that or by the time he's made the decision, somebody's on him straight away because he just doesn't have that same speed of thought as Robertson. And I think that's what we're struggling with at the minute on the left-hand side. Bit of decision-making. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap with some great ideas for gifts for you or your family and friends for this Christmas and beyond, courtesy of Liverpool Football Club. On top of the fantastic stadium tours, museum trips 
and the very popular Anfield Absale, Liverpool are now offering two new VIP experience days, which are the perfect gift for any Red. Firstly, the Anfield Experience offers a premium guided stadium tour, a Q&A with an LFC legend hosted by LFC TV presenter Steve Hoddersall, where they will share personal memories and anything you've always wondered about what it's like to play for the Reds. There's live music and other entertainment throughout the day and the entrance to the LFC Museum. And for the ultimate Anfield experience, you get all of that plus an unforgettable football experience at the AXA Melbourne facility, travelling there on an LFC bus. You'll experience firsthand the training and development techniques used at LFC to coach the next generation of Reds players. You'll also get additional top tips from the LFC legend on the day before going back to Anfield to hear more from the legend in one of the best lounges in the stadium by stepping off the bus and walking through the player's entrance before receiving a premium LFC gift pack. Both packages also include food, drinks and discount vouchers for the LFC store. Now a few of us were lucky enough to go on the Ultimate Anfield experience and what a fantastic day it was to be in there in the stadium with the legend, hearing his stories about what it was like to play for Liverpool with the pitch in the background was absolutely incredible. But getting on that bus, going up to Melwood and training on those fantastic pitches was something I'll never, ever forget. So I was really lucky to do that. But you could be lucky as well if you want to buy yourself uh, the Ultimate LFC experience or you want to get it for one of your loved ones as well. What a gift, as I say, for this Christmas or any big birthdays or anniversaries coming up as well. The Anfield Experience costs £150 for adults and £80 for children, while the Ultimate LFC Experience with that training thrown in costs £445. However, you can get a 10% discount if you order either package before Christmas with the code AWAE10. That is A-W-A-E-10. If you put that code in on checkout, you'll get 10% off both those packages. So book now at liverpoolfc.com forward slash stadium hyphen tours. Other thing to point out, Paddy, to the point around the way in which we're playing, the way in which we're set up, I would say they're four strongest players. Certainly they're two strongest players in general, the two centre-halves. And I would argue that yesterday they're four strongest performers uh, of the two centre-halves, plus Lerma and Hughes. I think... Th- and that to me is, you know, the the playing Joel Ward, he's 33 yeah. at right back. And Diaz gets him booked quite early. Uh, and then we didn't then, go at him again. Sorry. And then we didn't go at him again. And also you get to see Ward. Ward can be rash. He, you know, if, if Salah doesn't score, it's a penalty. And he, it's probably his second yellow yeah. uh, around the Jones the Jones area. Similarly, the other side's Klein. And we know Klein's, you know, solid enough. But you'd also think we can get at him. In front, you're not quite sure about Schlupp. Willing again, are you? You know, ends up getting himself sent off. And he can win a free kick anywhere on the pitch. To me, you know, it's, it's, when you actually just think about that, we continue. We were continually going into the teeth of their of their strongest area, and then what was happening was Will Hughes was getting better and better. Like, you know, I think in a, in any listen, I think Elliot's man of the match because of everything he does when he comes on, and we'll come on to that in a minute. But in a in a reason where you can't have the sub who happens to score the winner, there's every chance Will Hughes is man of the match. But we we almost put Will Hughes's performance on a plate for, and we go here's a series of battles. All we want you to do is win them. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that goes back to like merely a point about a lack of width, really, because you know we've went to there about missing Robertson on the, on on one side, so that's why I I'm, I'm strongly in the camp of you know content. Please play right back for a little bit because you know, it wasn't too long ago we was getting 15, 16 assists from right back, and in games like that, sometimes when you just need to stretch the play, 
like you can put a really good cross in the box, loads of them, 15, 16 assists that he was getting in a league season, come from sometimes just whipping a ball in. You know, the, a striker six for four stood in the box, and he's not getting he's not getting too many chances at the minute. You know, there's a little bit of a worry about Nunes at the minute. I, I think he's brilliant. I love him to bits, but it is December, and he scored four league goals, and two of them were in the last 20 minutes at Newcastle. And you know, you can talk about all the, the chances he's missed and things like that. But for me, sometimes it's it's that he's not a lot of the chances he seems to get. You know, barring like some of the, the glaring misses, sometimes it's just him doing something. Whereas I don't think we're actually creating enough chances for him. You know, he, he doesn't score enough headers for Liverpool. You know, you know why, why, why is Trent not getting wide and sticking the ball in? I just, I just think, I just think we're doing something at the moment, which is, I understand the back in the last season why we we started this inverted fullback thing. We didn't have a, we didn't have much legs in the midfield. It really helped for being out. And I also think you know, as much, just as much as the legs in the in the middle of the park, I think. You know, people talked about that with Fabinho and Henderson. Actually, I think the quality on the ball really dropped off massively last season with them too. So I, I understood why you'd put Trent in the middle of the pitch. Now I'm just looking at it and thinking you've, you've signed four midfielders in the summer. So I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm no tactician. I understand there might be a logic of having an extra man in there sometimes. But I also think, you know, loads have been made of Gomez's performance and rightly so. I thought, I thought it was great, but I just think it helped having a right back there. And there were times Gomez was getting in and I thought if that was Trent putting the ball in the box... I think we'd find it much easier to score goals. I think, I think there needs to be a conversation. I don't. I think you know includes the people who who, who want him in midfield, and also I think the coaching staff because I, I don't think they've quite nailed down what they want to do with him. Because if you see him as a six and you want him to play as a six, you, you're not getting that goal often against Fulham because he's not playing six in that game. They go they go, they go four in the middle. He's playing in a two, and how often is your six popping up there? You know, on the, on the edge of the box like that. So if you want all the all, all the the Roy the Rover stuff from him, he's going to have to play as an eighth. And I and and you you spent seventy million on Sobislaw. I think is what I you know people talk about like the the Bruyne comparison with Trent. For me, that's for me that's that's more like the, the higher ceiling there with Sobislaw. But also the Bruyne does most of his best workout wide than has done for years as well. I just I, I really I'm really struggling with what we're trying to do with that. Um, and that you know that inc- and I think the coaching staff you know really needs to decide what the, what they're doing with it because I think it, you know like I've said in these games that they want in the middle of the park. Will Hughes is a decent player. Lame is a good player, they've got legs, you know, they don't want sense in space out wide. Do you think Paddy can be like a little bit of both that he can do? Because at the moment he's, he's coming into midfield, he's, you know, he's playing, starting off at right back. When we get the ball, every single time he's going into the midfield. And as you say yesterday, he's congesting it. It's literally every single time. I don't really see why we can't sort what of vary makes, it up a little bit. What it makes me think, Andy, is it, it reminds me of this, and it's so weird and it's sort of probably in loads of ways a conversation about the direction of travel of football. But it sort of reminds me of 20 years ago, there was part of me that always wanted there to be a player, especially off the front, who had a bit of a free role. And the thing with that was, when that player played well and when the game went in their general direction, they looked amazing. And then when it doesn't go well, you're like, hang on, why isn't he doing all the stuff that I'd like him to do? Yeah, and that's and I, I think that, that that's one of the things here, as I almost feel as though we all, we all think flexibility is inherently good. But I think, Patty, at times, I think you can flexible yourself into into not having the sort of rigidity that allows you to be strong in a difficult away game, if you see what I mean. And I wonder at times if that's bits of what we end up seeing yesterday. Yeah, and, and, and like on, on the ten point, what is playing well? Because you know, by by you know most people's standards, he's, had, he's having a good season and he's, he's playing well in this inverted role. But you know, he's got two assists in the league, and one of them was a corner on Wednesday night. So you know, the output's not exactly there in terms of what you'd expect from him. And if you're playing, and if you want to play him as number six permanently, you're losing, you're losing 15 to 20 assists from your from your right back. So that, that's where that's my, that's my point with it. 
is really and, and you know and like you said in tough away games I think you can overcomplicate it a bit that they want they want it congested in the middle of the pitch they don't want you stretching them they don't want the the, 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 the bigger centre the two centre halves but they didn't have they didn't have a tough game yesterday at all Nunes can be a pest but they didn't give them much trouble at all yesterday because he's just not getting he's not getting any save just same, same if if Jota was playing there or whatever Jota's great in the air I, I just think we're missing at the moment especially with no Robertson and then the fact that Trent doesn't. I agree, I agree with what Andy said. I think he could do a bit of both, but he just doesn't seem to ever want to do it. I think he's got no interest playing playing right back as soon as we've got the ball. You know, I, I sit on that side of the cop when, when attacking the cop end, and he's just he's never pulling wide <laughs> when there's loads of space there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's an instruction. Yeah, but I just it, 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 I, I do struggle with it. I was going to say I think it's it's definitely more instruction rather than what what he wants to do. I think the idea of playing Trent in the position you, you currently play I'm using him as you currently use him now is like in an ideal world you get him a bit of space sort of 30 yards from goal where you can play that cross to the back post or you can have a shot or you, you can just generally use his quality and that's great and if we get him in that position enough he will get assists and he will get goals however as Paddy says you know when he played right back he got 15-20 assists from right back positions as well and whether that was just sort of cutting inside a little bit when we sort of had Henderson occupying the, the wide areas and, and Trent coming a bit inside where you're more likely to get an assist from across it feels like we're losing that and we're, we're sort of swapping that for, for what we're getting now and what he was getting as, he, as we say was 10-15 assists from that position so to, to swap that out are we saying he's going to get sort of 20-25 from the position he currently is I'm just not seeing that right now I'm not seeing a world in which that's happening so I don't see why there can't be a, a world in which sometimes he comes inside Sometimes he just sort of plays right back because he can sort of get assists from, from and, and, and get crosses in from both places and keep them guessing uh, as much as anything else. The game plan for Trent right now, okay, he's a brilliant player, but you know exactly what he's going to do at every stage of the game. Um, and that's the most frustrating thing. And it could be what Paddy's saying, the, the, the solution could be what Paddy's saying in putting him into the eight where De Bruyne does get into those areas and he, he sort of does a little bit of both. Loads more you need to consider before you, you think about his suitability to play that position. We've never really... Have we only re- really ever seen him with that, that game away to Chelsea at the end of the end of twenty sixteen? Was it where it didn't really matter? He played there and, and I wasn't particularly great. Um, so I, I I I really you know you'd need to really sit down and think about whether he's suited to that position. But from the point of view of where he can get the cross into the pitch and varying it up, I don't see why that wouldn't work. Feels like the summer of uh, 2005-06 here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Steven Gerrard, aren't we? And, and again, free rolls versus not free rolls, coming off a flank to cut inside versus yeah. not doing that. Happier behind the front player, maybe wants to play somewhere else, so on and so forth. Just scored 20-odd goals and got about 20 assists playing on the right wing. Um, yeah, and, and you know as we've all mentioned there, three or four years ago, by now you'd expect Robertson and Trent to be approaching double figures in assists by this stage of the season. I mean, they were on like an insane race against each other every year for assists. I thought when he moved, uh, Trent moved in field in spring, I think there was a flurry of games where he did contribute in terms of goals and assists. And I thought at the start of this season, I was asked at work predictions and I was like, Trent Alexander-Arnold will get 20 plus assists because that was how I thought the season was going to pan out. But then as the weeks have gone by and we've seen um, how it has in fact unfolded, I do I do think he started the season not at his best, but even the last few weeks where I think we can all say he's been playing some brilliant football. I think he's played really well yeah. and that's why I think this conversation Yeah, that's what's over, important. Yeah. You know, I mean, for yeah. opening couple of minutes, yesterday he plays a cross field ball that if any other player in the league played it you you know your jaw would drop but Trent just does it all the time so you just expect it you take it for granted yeah, so a couple of them yeah. you take for granted yeah. so much and, and so I think what we're all focusing on is how can we eke the absolute most out of this generational one-off unique talent and so that's why I think it's going to be a cause of so many debates but I just kept watching this yesterday just thinking nobody's getting wide of Salah nobody's given us that option and Henderson obviously would just do that time and time again make almost like a, a thankless uh, fruitless run 
but then it, it, it helped the attack. And sometimes you think, well, you just wish you could get Trent into those positions because his delivery is so, so impressive. And Gomez, again, made such a big impact just by being a functional right, way, right back, running the line. Running and beyond Salah, yeah. Running beyond Salah. And how much better would Trent be in that same role? As, yeah. as good as Gomez was yesterday, Trent can do all those things and more. For me, if you played him in midfield, I think you're going 4-4-2. I'm playing him if you want to use him in the middle of the back. I think I I don't think he. I, I'm not sure about the eight thing. No, I think you lose when, when, when I said the eight, I, I, yeah, no, I don't think said, he should play there. I, 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 just think, so I think when I people think... talk about this this idea that he, he could be like Gerard and stuff, and I just think well, well he's got to play eight there then because your number six isn't getting your 10, 15 goals. No, that's why I think I think it's a double pivot. I think it's got to be you changing the shape. I think you're saying it's four four two. I think I think if you want him if you want him to start and end games in midfield, yeah. then I think he needs he needs someone who's who's sitting next to him, yeah. and and I think that also you need therefore who's going to make the pitch massive for you. You need you need wide players, but you also need a, you, hit. you also need a really good right back who's going to get who's going to replace them numbers. And you know, I don't want to sound like I'm slaughtering him. I love him to bits, but I just think if if he's playing in midfield and double pivot like that. It's essentially a different sport playing number six and you know he's not a, he's not a young young kid he's like 25, 25, 26 he's played elite level Premier League football now for like six, seven seasons so just people, I think people sometimes talk about that changes if it's like seamless like getting the ball with your back to goal is like another sport it's like if you, if you ever play, if you ever played football and never played in that position when you're receiving the ball back to goal on the half turn it, it's completely different having someone right on your shoulder straight away like that rather than the game being in front of you which is out for so long and Listen, I don't, I don't doubt he's got the tech, he's got the ability to have, have made that switch at 18, 19, but he didn't do it. He decided to get him in the team at right back and have the game in front of him. So at 25, 26, to just say now you're a, now you're holding the field player is just it's something you know. I think. Don't mind. Yeah, um, we'll be positive. Let's accentuate some positives. Um, the key thing is you get to have a goalkeeper, Andy, uh, and I think that sometimes that is that is forgotten. You get to have a goalkeeper, and if you have the best one, you can maybe take a couple more risks that other sides wouldn't do. Um, and he is just the best one. The conversation for me is not best in the league. I would even argue it's probably not best in the world. It's where he is in the pantheon of all-time goalkeepers, and he proves it on the big stage, and he also proves it at Tellers Park. There's... Two, I think, standout saves from that game that, that, that spring to my mind. And I think the first one in, in the first half is the one that everyone will talk about because it's it's so spectacular. And I think it actually hits the post, doesn't it? It comes back out. But in the ground, it looked like he'd clawed it back after the, the second one and got straight back up. Um, either way, just to make the first save was was sensational. It's not right in the corner. Um but I think it's that thing. And I used to always think it when, when Liverpool played against, or when, when any team played against Courtois when he was at his peak at Chelsea, where do you remember that League Cup semi final game where we had so many chances, but we had yeah. to put every single one in the top corner if you were going to beat him? Um, and he was in our heads. And I think that's the thing with, with Allison. Uh, I'd argue he's his only competition, by yeah. the way, globally. I mean, yeah. Edison with his feet is another <laughs> level, don't get me wrong. But in terms of literally all having a lot of those gifts and stopping the ball going to the back of the net, I think Courtois is his only competition. And I, I think, you know, in, in future, when, when when players get into the position that, that I think was it Matera gets into for that first chance yesterday I think they'll know they have to stick it right in the top corner and okay sometimes they will but sometimes they'll just start missing ridiculous chances like we did that night at Chelsea because Courtois was in goal it's it's an unbelievable save he does just about enough and as I say if it didn't hit the post I think he would have got it anyway because he's up straight away um, he's not down there feeling sorry for himself giving himself a pat on the back he's up right away and it was just it was just unbelievable and it was spectacular the one right at the end from Anderson won't get anywhere near the same sort of praise but that that is just outrageous what he does there the amount of goalkeepers in the league that 
palm that up into the yeah. into the uh, into the roof of the net because it bounces just in front of him. It's so hard to judge where that ball is going to bounce when it bounces just in front of you, especially with a powerful header from a, a good player from what must only be about ten yards out. It's and it's a sensational save. I thought straight away. When Anderson got his head to the ball in that position, I thought that's in. That's Anderson's reaction to that one, you might not have seen it being in the ground, but at the end of the game, when they're showing them go off the pitch, Anderson's like talking to him as if to be like, have you saved that? Because <laughs> <laughs> he must have just thought, I make a good enough connection with that, that close to goal. It does everything that you'd expect you know, a, a centre half to do there. Heads it down, on target. You just you just assume that's going him, sure, when that left his head, and then he's, he's saved, and he must have been thinking, like, I want to if you've done it. But my, my, my favourite thing about Alisson is. You know, how much he seems to like enjoy the actual making them saves. Like he gets up and it, there's none of this like other thing that go, other goalkeepers do. And I'm sure it's about concentration and things like that where they have a go to defence. But he seems to get up and like they're all like in awe of him, see, like mm. patting him on the back and stuff. And he's like, no, that, that's fine. Yeah, well, then like we'll keep we we'll keep going as if he's like, this is my job. That's what I'm here for. And he sort of exudes that confidence to the rest of them as if to be like, well, you know, we've got Ali behind us. Like no matter what happens, you know, he, he'll be confident to save it. There was one away at uh, Forest last season, I think it was, when we were terrible day. But there was a save he made at Forest. Do you remember where, mm. where their player yeah. just had his head in his hands afterwards, and everyone in the ground just had a look of shock on their on their face. And that's what he elicits uh, week in week out. He's 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 just such a standard above all the statistics in terms of the goals he's prevented, having miles out in front of every keeper in the league. In terms of the goals, you know, he stopped going in. He. Uh, he, like you said, he's so determined. He doesn't. He doesn't. It's none of it's like for show. It's none of the histronics of shouting at the defense, like yeah. you say. None of the sort of Jordan Pickford getting pumped up, or yeah. whatever. He just celebrates his work and then goes back at it straight at it. He's, he's had a you know a couple of rickety moments in terms of playing out. I think because of the way we play. Um, so at City, you know, he comes in for a little bit of criticism where he where he slips when he kicks it. But then equally, last season we beat Man City because he slips when he kicks it and manages to get that ball straight to Salah. And that's his, that's yeah. his style. Um, I think he gives us such an edge, and it was such a it was such a um, relief to see him on the team sheet yesterday mm. because I, I didn't expect it. I knew there was talk in the press conference that he was ahead of schedule and he could be back, but I still thought, oh, perhaps it'll be one more week. Um, him and Virgil Van Dijk, I think, are the are the rock this last few weeks that our results have been based on because we haven't been playing free flowing football. It's not been vintage by any stretch of imagination, but those two being at the absolute peak of their powers, I think has seen us over the line in, in the last month. See, right at the end of the game, I don't know if, if you guys, if it was shown on the TV, Nunez goes straight over to Alisson and put, like jumps on him, full weight of his body on him, and I was just thinking, please, 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 may his hamstring be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we, can, we, can, someone look, can we take him off the pitch in a wheelbarrow yeah. right now, please? Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, screamed at Nunez. Yeah. Yeah. Injuring just, a teammate about the only thing he hasn't done yet. <laughs> uh, would be quite spectacular. Let's talk about Elliot, Neil. It's... It's so bright. I mean, that's the first thing about it. And that's what you've seen often through the season when he's come on. So bright. Uh, so much where the opposition don't want him. I think this is another sort of major aspect of this as well. Finds himself all the way through. Gets the goal, which is, you know, obviously incredible. But it's it's such a such a good substitute performance. It's backed up by Curtis Jones as well, who I think plays, plays ever so well when he comes on. But there's playing ever so well, and then there's having the sort of impact that Elliot has. Uh, and it is, it's a relentless impact. Yeah, I thought all the substitutes improved us yesterday. I thought I thought we had started to play a little bit better with Gomez coming on at halftime. I thought Gakpo looked bright when he came on and immediately got himself involved. But then the double change, uh, Jones and Elliot, um, obviously they're both pivotal um, to the victory. Um, Elliot, 
I like I love how switched on he is in that he immediately makes an impact when he comes off. There's, there's no warming up. There's no getting get himself uh, you know used to the climate of the game. He's straight at it. He is involved all over the pitch. He's picking the ball up here, there, and everywhere. I think there was some analysis on Match of the Day last night where they were talking about how he constantly gave us that extra option when they were down to 10 men. He always was the extra man moving into the area so that they just didn't have an option. They couldn't cover everybody so he could then receive the pass. Um, and I love the fact that he finally capped it off with a goal that some of his performances this season have deserved because it's, it's been one thing that's frustrated me. There's been a number of games this season where I thought he's been one of the best players, if not the best player on the pitch, certainly in the Europa League. He's really shone for me. And then in front of goal, he's, he's maybe lost a little bit of composure and he's always so desperate sometimes to get it onto his left, yeah. isn't he? And sometimes you think, oh, gee, come on, you just get, if you'd hit that with your right, you probably would have buried it. So the finish is, is beautiful. Uh, and I love that he gets that moment with the fans as well. Really been, really been. I think he, he's really been taken to the hearts of the fan base. I think. I think we've always like backed him. He's a player who's always had the support. He's been through obviously the long layoff with the injury. Still such a young player with such a high ceiling so far to go. You talked about ceilings earlier. Where is his? I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously in terms of physicality, he's, he's never going to be the biggest. He's never going to be the strongest or the quickest. But his speed of thought is just unbelievable. And as I say, the way you get the impression that he's sat watching the game in the stands thinking, this is how I'm going to impact this game. This is where I'm going to make my difference. And then he does it. I think he just, in, in this game, just come on, I think he seems to just make it it makes more sense when he's on the pitch and, and I was critical of him last season so I didn't think I'd be saying this but it just I think it really helps having another left footer I think I think you can't you can't underestimate that, how much that, that offers a balance to the side when, and I just, think, I just think when he's on the pitch you know him and Salah have always sort of had that relationship where there's a bit of a link up there but I just, I just think he makes, he makes things make a lot of sense and, and, and in a game like that where you know you're, you're chasing the game they're going to be they're going to be sat in I just think someone who's he, he's very certain on the ball. I think you know you, you back him to not give it away much, especially around the penalty area, and sort of do the sensible thing. You know, I, I'm 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 like you. I'm not massive on shots, but as soon as he as soon as he took that ball on, I was desperate for him to have a, have a goal that keeper because he would just come on. Mm-hmm. He's quite clearly not a very good goalkeeper, and I thought you know if we don't get some shots off here, you know it's a real missed opportunity. You know, it, it is a great strike, and, and not, not to criticise, but it's not exactly in the corner. Yeah. It's just well struck. It's got a nice dip on it. Yeah, in an area where yeah. yeah. And um, no, no, made up for him. I think you know. I, th- I think he's making a real case to start the game now. Just you know, we, we spoke earlier in the show about how we're starting these games and how we can be a bit loose in possession. I, I think he, I think he sorts a lot of that out, Elliot. I think, I think he would just keep the ball for you. I think he keeps teams pen back. Like I said, I think that left foot thing means you've got a you've got a different option there and different dynamic to the side. And no, honestly, I was made up for him. I think I think it's, it's probably his first big big moment like that. I know he gets the the Wolves clincher to make a three one, doesn't he? But like to go and win a game for Liverpool, like that that's a big thing for anyone. Um, so you know, made up for him and he, and he stepped up at the right time. I I was coming out of the ground, obviously highly emotional after the game yesterday. But I was and. It, now he sounds a little bit hyperbolic, but I was literally talking about that as one of the all-time best Liverpool substitute performances. Even before his yep. goal, I felt like everything he did turned to gold. More I think or less. I saw it was a hundred percent. Didn't give it away. Yeah, hundred percent completed passes. Some like thirty-one yeah. passes. And it's not as if he was just giving it five yards, you know, to, to keep his possession stats up. He was, you know, he was taking the game to them. He was just so sharp and incisive in everything he did. I, I can't remember which one he's mentioned. It's just you know, coming, picking up the ball in in short areas. It was that short pass, but when he received the pass, the, the little burst to get away. He's got that little bit of explosive pace. I don't think he's winning any races over fifty yards. But like Mane, he's that little bit of an explosive pace to get himself away. Um, I thought he did that so well. And just find space where 
none of our midfielders were able to find space or were sharp enough to find space across that game. And I don't know whether that's because some of them, like maybe Soboslav, have been a bit overplayed, especially in, in internationals. Gravenberg's obviously finding his feet. Um, you know, McAllister in, in the position. But Elliot just feels right now, he just gives us that burst of energy when he comes onto the pitch that nobody else has really given us. Um, I, I completely agree with your point, um, Neil, about the, the getting out on the left foot. He does do that a little bit too much in those Europa games. And the fans can get frustrated with him. And it's really annoying because it's like, well, have you not seen all this great stuff that he's done in those games as well? Not just the, the getting out on the left foot or the taking I hope the long. goal settles him. And around, around goal, I hope the goal settles him. I think if there's a thing, if you were to speak to him, and say to him, what do you think you need to improve on? I think he'd be saying, I need to be sticking it in the back of the net a bit more. He's got one now, and he's got a big one. So I really hope the goal settles him, Andy, and he does feel the fluency to take it where it comes. Go early. If you've got to hit it with your right foot and you miss, it's absolutely fine, mate. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Another another chance will come in a minute because you're a good player. I think just mentally last season, that must have been so tricky for him. He must have been questioning everything. you know. And he was a bit of a scapegoat. Scapegoat's the wrong word because his performances weren't great last season when he was starting, but... It was sort of all we had there. We didn't. I don't think we expected Fabinho and Henderson. Plays leg. a lot of games, yeah. Plays a lot of games. I don't think we expect the midfield to fall off as much as it does. All of a sudden, there's loads of pressure on him. He's getting loads of stick. I'm sure he's doubting himself after the injury. Am I the same player as I was after the injury? That will have been in his head. Um, but this season, I think you're saying he's he's getting enough starts in the cups. He's progressing enough in the cups to show that he can be a starter in the future. And right now. His role in the league um, is coming off the bench and giving us a little bit more energy, and he's he's doing that, doing absolute tea. He's been superb off the bench this season in the league. Uh, okay, uh, right now uh, is Colin uh, from Liverpool Football Therapy speaking to John Gibbons. Then we'll be back to talk about the bigger picture. And it is John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Colin from the Liverpool Football Therapy. Colin, thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate Absolute it. Pleasure, pleasure. So to start off, obvious question. Tell us a little bit more about Liverpool Football Therapy, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, the programme itself was uh, launched back in 2019. Uh, it was following my my own personal experience of mental ill health and uh, a lot of my recovery and coping mechanisms were really aided by becoming involved with Everton and Communities Imagine Your Goals programme, uh, which is specifically for Mersey Care service users. Um, I wanted to sort of do my own thing, um, but I wanted to open the doors to people who uh, we're maybe waiting to waiting on NHS waiting lists for a diagnosis, waiting to get prescriptions, waiting to see psychiatrists, all sorts. Ours is immediate, no referral required. You don't even have to have a diagnosis. It's for anyone who's uh, any adult that is affected by any form of mental ill health or simply poor mental well-being. Um, uh, as well as we, we have a number of people that have come along because they've been um, socially isolated for quite some time as well. And we know that the knock-on effect of that can be detrimental to their mental well-being. So, uh, yeah, it's um, we host two sessions every week. It's just a five, six aside kickabout. We have one uh, goals in speak every Tuesday uh, from half past seven. Uh, very, very popular. And we have uh, another one on a Wednesday night. Uh, again, goals, but this time in, in Netherton from seven o'clock. As I say, no referral. Uh, anyone that's feeling lonely, down, mentally unwell, waiting on a diagnosis, waiting to get some support. We are there ready to uh, provide an opportunity, not just to play football, but it's an opportunity to meet other people who are on different levels or different stages of their, their own mental wellbeing journey, their own mental ill health journey. Um, and each and every one of them, um, this, the, this is the fantastic thing about it, is some of them don't even realise it. They have to be reminded that they are the inspiration 
It's each individual, they inspire everyone around them by sharing the, the, their own journey. Um, we, we have a focus on four key areas, which is physical, mental, emotional and social well-being. And I think I can say hand in heart that um, every participant that's come through, there's well in excess of 100 registered at the moment, every one of them would say that those four key areas uh, are well and truly looked after and they would tick the box to say that there's been some level of improvement uh, in each and every one of them. We don't do anything special. It's just a case of getting together, having a, having a kick about, having a laugh, a bit of banter, um, and then just being there for each other. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is. We, we have a little tagline that together we're stronger and it's uh, that unity is just so important. Um, so... I, for, for anyone that's living in Merseyside uh, that may be struggling with uh, a mental illness or your mental well-being's not good or you've had something happen in your life that you feel it could be detrimental to your mental well-being over a short or a long period of time, get down. Yeah. Get a pair of boots on and have a laugh. Uh, we don't keep scores. You know, we, we do play competitive football as well, as I'm sure you, you've seen online. Yeah. Um, but generally, it's it's just about those five and six, six side kickabouts. The the competitive football is something that's come about through. Really, it's the determination and ambition of the the participants. Um, I'm not a glory hunter. I've had my time on the pitch, and I've had enough medals and trophies. Um, I love seeing them win them, but it's it's not the be all and end all for me. Uh, for for LFT, it's it's just about uh, trying to improve their their well being. Absolutely, and you, and I can. I've seen firsthand the way that you guys do and yep. you know we've played you guys in tournaments and things like that yep. and when you talked about the unity there that's the thing that struck me when I when I come across you guys is the camaraderie yeah. between the lads and the support that they offer each other you know it is great really yeah there's this thing, there's this thing within within any uh, anything involved with the mental health sector you you have this genuine bond because you know what someone else has gone through because you've yeah. been there yourself or, or it's something very similar um, and I'm always saying to I'm always saying to the guys and the girls just uh, look if you want a bit of inspiration around here ask him to tell you a story he won't be ashamed in telling you he won't hold back or she won't hold back people share those stories and that's um, that's how the, the friendships are, are born it's through that sharing uh, We I've seen over over the last four years, I've seen so many fantastic relationships develop from people that um, probably without LFT would never have even met each other. Mm. Uh, and now they're best mates. Yeah. And you, you really feel it as well. You feel that um, that bond that they have together, the, the lads and the girls. And we may even have a marriage on the card soon. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, we've got a, a, a lads and a, a girl that have, have got together through the through our programme. Um, uh, absolute rock solid relationship they're in as well. Um, two, two, good, uh, two good eggs. Um, they're great. Um, we might have our first LFT wedding soon, so that's a shout out to Tom and Anna. That's a hint, Tom. Um, so I, <laughs> Get I, going. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do mention them quite a bit because I've not been to a wedding for a while. Um. <laughs> See, the seat still fits and all that. That's yeah, yeah, one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we do have a special bond between uh, all the, the participants. That's why it's very much focused on peer support. It's not the support I give to the people. Um, I, although I, I obviously. I do a lot of one-to-ones and a bit of counselling away from being at the side of the pitch or, or away from matches. I, I'll see them socially as well. And 
uh, I, I do go and visit people as and when they, they need to see me and I'm just there sometimes just to put my arm around their shoulder or be a shoulder to cry on. Whatever they need, I'll, I'll be there for them. But 99% of the support comes from each, they come, it comes from within the group. Yeah. Uh, we do have great relationships and contacts with uh, various other support networks within the, uh, within the, the, the emergency community. Uh, we're always signposting people to the other services. Most of them don't go because they, they get the support they need from the guy that they're either tackling or the guy, they're, or the guy and girl they're passing the ball to. Um, so yeah, we. I don't have to do much. I really don't. I just have. To, I just have to make sure book the pitch. That's it. Book, <laughs> book the pitch. Make sure they've got some bibs and a ball. That's it. Um, and I can just stand back and admire it. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. Um, uh, it. It's changed me as well. Um, I, I'm developing as a person um, because of there's such a wide range of personalities, um, a wide range of complex issues as well with it. <laughs> Um, their own life, their background and the journeys that they've been on and um, some of the, uh, although I've, I'm very experienced within the, the world of mental health and mental illness, uh, with my own experiences and my time in, in various hospitals, um, I'm learning something new about every other condition, the conditions that I've never experienced mm -hmm. uh, firsthand, but I'm getting to, to understand what makes them click and and what little things we can do to help improve their lives and give them a better opportunity to have a uh, a better life in the future. In terms of if people are watching and think, oh, I'd, I'd like to, to come down and maybe get involved, they, they can sense the struggling, which we all do at times, yep. And but they think, oh, I'd, I'm maybe not quite ready to, to share. I think yep. sometimes it's just coming and, and joining in. And I know personally yeah. when sometimes when I'm struggling with stuff, to be perfectly honest, just in our way, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. It's sometimes nice and you're just playing. Well, that and, is and it. that's a start, yeah. isn't it? Um, but I don't expect everyone to share their story. Yeah. Uh, I don't even um, expect anyone to tell me that they're, they're not feeling well. Just come along, get involved. For that two hours that you're at the pitch, and this is what I discovered when I when I first got back involved in football again. Um, that, that was my that was my relief and my release from life. I'd step on that, but as soon as I walked across that, as soon as I put my foot in that pitch, all I thought about was, don't get this wrong. Yeah. That was it. I, I was all, and I was that way my, my whole life in football, um, playing football for umpteen teams all my life. But that one of joining the, the mental health programme for the first time, that stepping over, it was, I, I still recall how I felt after the very first five-a-side session I had with Everton in the community. I had two hours where the, the build-up to it, the anxiety was horrendous. because so I was terrified, one, are they all going to be younger, fitter and healthier and better <laughs> at football than me? And then there was part of me thinking, is it the opposite way? Because I had no idea what this could be like. So yeah. I'm thinking, how well are these people? Uh, mm. Am I going to be too... Am I, sounds silly when I say it, I think about it, but I did think, am I, am I going to be too good for this? Yeah. Because uh, I have played at quite a, a high level and I, I was a decent player. So I, I, there was that, I was, what, what, geez, it was such a wide range of abilities, ages, genders, it was all sorts. And for those first two hours, I did nothing but just concentrate and playing football. And, and I'll never forget, I walked, uh, I, I walked home up Penny Lane from that first session and I can't recall feeling as high about anything for years. And it was such a... It's such a relief. Yeah. Um, so for, for somebody to come along just to get involved, we, no, we're not expecting everyone to share their story. 
Um, we just want you to go on the pitch and leave your baggage behind for a couple of hours. Uh, you can go back to it again if you need to. Um, but hopefully what we'll do is we'll lighten the load yeah. over, a, over a period of time. Yeah, uh, yeah but that, that, those two hours is just a bit of football and uh, a bit of banter. And no need to share. Uh, that will that'll come in good time. When, when people hear other people sharing, yeah. that's when they start to open up. But it can take a few weeks or for some few months. But at the end of the day, it, it works. It's yeah. been proven to work. It worked on me, and I, I see it working uh, every single week on other people. So it'll continue to work in the future, as long as we get the money in. Well, that's yeah. what I want to come on to, because yeah. obviously if you feel like the, the, the service would, would, would benefit you and you want to come down and have a game of football and, 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 and take a few things off your mind or lighten the load, as Colin yeah. says, then then the services there would encourage people to, to get involved. It's a, it's, a, it's a good gang of people, as I can attest to, because <laughs> you played against them. But... You know, if, if you're not in the area or, or you know, you, you, you're doing your own football journey at the moment that you're happy with, but you're thinking, this sounds like a fantastic yeah. thing. You guys do need a bit of help yeah. and financial support well, at the well, moment. There's a, there's a couple of things that I wanted to get across. I know that um, uh, a lot of people that were watching this don't come from Merseyside. Yeah. Uh, but they, will be, they may be struggling. Uh, believe it or not, I, I've, I've been involved with um, mental health football projects all over Europe for 12 years. If you are in Doncaster just now, you're in London, or you're in Aberdeen and you're watching this and you've got um, some struggle and you think this could be something for you, um, I will do my damnedest to find something on your doorstep uh, because I've got contacts all over the country. Um, I used to run the Mental Health Football Association, so it, we're there for, for people, not just, for me personally, I'll help anyone. Uh, but for Mercy, anyone in Mercy, say, get along, just enjoy it. The other thing is, yeah, we, we do need funding. Um, we, we, we struggle from time to time. Um, we are struggling just now. We've currently got a, a GoFundMe page um, for donations. And I know it's a horrible time of the year to be asking for money, but we, we, a couple of quids it would really help. Um, we've got a GoFundMe page. You can find that through our, our Twitter account or Facebook account or uh, our website should be up and running by the time this goes out as well. Um, so there's a lot of information about us there anyway. But yeah, it'd be nice if somebody could... be lovely. I'd love to find a sugar daddy. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to find one of them, but I, I, I hear stories of people getting this... Ah, somebody's giving them loads of money to, to help them get going. Uh, we had a sugar daddy. It'd be, I'm a sugar mummy. <laughs> I'm not fussy. Um, it'd be great, but um, just... Regularly bringing in a little uh, donation here and there uh, keeps us ticking over well. We're, we're always applying for funding. Yeah, uh, It's something I do. I've, uh, it feels like every week I have to put some time aside just to look for funding opportunities. Um, that's an important side of it. But to, to the people watching and, and listening to this, the, the, the probably the most important part is getting you along, just getting you involved uh, yeah. at, at some level. Um, just to have a kick about, and it doesn't matter what your ability level's like, you can care less. Don't, I, I, I don't care if you've not even played football before. If you love football, you'll enjoy the banter yeah. in, the, in the company. Because um, it's, everything's, everything we do is, uh, it, football's the glue. That's, what's, that's what brings us on, it sticks us all together. Uh, everything else that we do is, um, is a bonus, really. Everything's a bonus. It's just, football brings us together, and then, the, the guys and the girls look after themselves. It's, um, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, well, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. It's fantastic work what you do. Like I say, I've yeah. seen it firsthand, so it's yeah, so man. brilliant. So long may continue. It can do that with your support by either getting down and obviously uh, playing and, and supporting in that way. Or, like Colin says, it's a tough time for a lot of people, but if you can spare a few quid, oh, you are a sugar, sugar daddy already. <laughs> Uh, get on the go for yeah. me. We're going to be tweeting that out today as well and hopefully be in the bio underneath as well. But if you can't find anything, just give me a shout comments yeah. on, on Twitter as well. But thanks so much for coming in. Uh, thank you very much as well for uh, the sponsorship. For oh, the, we, we, uh, we, put, year, we put our money where our mouth was. Yeah, uh, it's, absolutely. It's, it's very much appreciated. Yeah, oh, good. And uh, it's, it's, it's great to be associated with uh, yourselves as well. Great. Uh, I love it. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. And we are back to talk about the bigger picture. Um, the bigger picture in terms of where Liverpool's performances are at. And where everyone else is, um, I watched um, through a slight haze, Neil, of the Arsenal-Aston Villa game. Uh, I think Arsenal end up not getting away with murder against Luton because they created a lot of chances, but it did go 3-2 and 3-3. They were hanging in, they get the late winner. I think they have hard lines against Villa. I think they actually play quite well under the circumstances. I think Villa play quite well as well. It's a game that gets defined by that first goal. Villa have everything to hang on to and they've clearly put a lot in against City. Um, similarly, Arsenal are chasing the game so they're, they're finding themselves obviously creating that little bit more. Um, you know, so My point here is that whilst Liverpool have gone above Arsenal, you know, I feel at the minute at least it's worth saying and, and, and having the graciousness to say I feel Arsenal are in general playing well. I think Villa are playing well. Uh, I think Liverpool, it's brilliant uh, that we've benefited from the dropping of the points. City should win today against Luton. Um, it's There's an old, I think it's a, a Bob Paisley quote or a Joe Fagan quote, look at us top of the league with all these problems. It's, <laughs> it's, a nice, it's a nice situation to be in on the one hand. On the other hand, just to the eye at the minute, I don't think we're necessarily playing the best football in the country. Uh, and there'll be a couple of challenges uh, on the horizon around that. Yeah, true. I, I do also think, though, it, as I said, mentioned earlier, it is the end of a long week where some injuries have started to affect the right. squad. You know, obviously the Joel Matip news is is a huge blow um, that he's not likely to feature again this season. And really terrible news, and it obviously means that we're going to have to rotate more in, in centre half. And then McAllister's absence, I thought, we've not really talked about it, but I thought it was keenly felt yesterday, especially yeah. in the first half. For all the talk we've had about what McAllister does or doesn't bring in the six, you know, we just didn't move it quickly enough. We weren't building well enough from the back. And I, I too, I didn't think Endo had a terrible game by any stretch of imagination, but I, I did think you got to see what McAllister brings, certainly when it was absent. Um, so we have had some issues around the squad in terms of fitness and availability. Obviously, our options have been a bit weakened with Jota being away as well. So we're in a very strong position, I'd say, with two or three of those players to come back. Certainly Jota, hopefully, sooner than expected. Um, we have so many options in attack that I think we're going to cause a lot of problems for teams, especially at Anfield. It's just on the road where my doubts still remain. I think yesterday, at times in that first hour, I was thinking maybe this is why we're not genuine title challenges because we don't seem to have that ability to go away to the weaker sides in the league and just take the game to them and, and just dispatch them in the manner that you expect of, of Man City over the last few years. Um, Man City, it seems, have an ability to go and score an early goal, score a second and then manage the game. And that's not something this side have developed quite yet. But at the same time, the resilience and the mentality that no team other than Girona in the five major leagues in Europe have come back from losing positions to win, that's there for all to see. And I and think also, Neil, you say why I was thinking, you know, there's, there's something in this. Yeah. You also get to use your subs. Yeah. And that's, the, you know, when you were talking, so at the start of the game, I'm thinking, yeah, is this why maybe, you know, it's not going to quite be there? And then by the end of the game, you're raving about one 
substitute performance. You're praising another three as saying that they had a really positive impact. Yeah. It's literally part of the game. You get to do that and we get to do it and, and, and we've been doing it well over the course of the campaign. Yeah, all five subs impactful. I think Jürgen's really got to grips with substitutes. I think it, it used to be something that perhaps people were a little bit critical of. But certain last few weeks, I think it's, it's been brilliant um, the way he's used them. I, I think we're in a we're in a great position. I, I do watch Arsenal, and sometimes they don't create as anywhere near as much as I'd expect them to. Yeah. Um, but their defensive solidity has also surprised me to some extent. Yeah, I, th- I think because of the the two title races we've had with City, where we've come out just the wrong side of. I think we're conditioned to believe we're always destined to be just one point behind the whole way. And the worry is that you get caught a point behind City and they literally just don't lose. And, and you know, there's there's nothing you can do and there's nothing more heart-wrenching than, than those seasons where you just can't get above them. And I was starting to think the other night when I watched Arsenal, and by the way, I didn't get excited about Arsenal dropping points until the 95th minute when Luton won a free kick when there were six minutes of added time and somehow still contrived to, to lose the game. And I thought, is this just going to be one where we never quite get ahead of them? And when we're 1-0 down and have the opportunity, because I didn't think that they would win at Villa yesterday, I thought if we win this game, we will be top of the league this weekend. When we're 1-0 down in 75 minutes, I think, goodness me, Liverpool, like you've a golden opportunity here. We're just not going to do it. We'll all be talking after the game. I'll point at Palace is fine, blah, blah, blah. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, you're not out of the title race and then you just sort of never get ahead. Um, but just to be in this position right now, I think that the four ahead of Man City is more crucial than the the one ahead of Arsenal, to be honest, because I do think City are the only ones we need to be worried about. I do think they will win today, but, you know, Luton, they caused us problems, they caused Arsenal problems. I think, w- not even in terms of the quality, I think just the style of play, Liverpool and Arsenal, um, it, you know, will, will make it a little bit easier for Luton to play against. I think City will just, will just ultimately have enough and the quality will come through, but... You know, if not, it's it's what, what is it? Seven points, you know, or six or seven points. So there's pressure on them now. And it doesn't feel like there's been pressure on City enough over the years in these title races. There is serious pressure on them. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, I'm quite relaxed about it all. I think I may be coming across a little bit negative today, but I'd, I'm really excited by you know what's to come this season. You know, I think take out the COVID season and then you know last season where we don't really have a midfield par for this manager and a lot of these players is you know 85 to 90 plus points. And I think even though we're not playing too well at the moment, we get we, you know we're getting the points. I, I didn't I didn't watch Arsenal yesterday. I'd, no, I think I've said to a few people I'm not I'm not I'm not overly concerned about Arsenal really. I, just, I think if they're if they're your main title rival, I think. You know, come April May, I think I think we're in for a we're in for a big finish and you know possibly a league title because I'm just not I'm just not really having that that they'll they'll be there really. I think you know I've looked at that twenty third date for for a long while. I thought you know we'll we'll see to them at Anfield and I think you know I think this little point cushion going into that game now. Hopefully, I mean I don't know what game they've got next weekend, but it's likely to be a point going into that game. I think I've been looking forward to that for so long I think that's going to be you know them games take care of themselves don't the United next weekend Arsenal at home and then that even that Newcastle one New Year's Day was an 8 o'clock kickoff, isn't it on a Monday night I think them three home games really are, worried about it yeah but I think them three no home... just solely from the point of view what state we're all going to be and to do post-match content yeah, fair enough, <laughs> that's yeah. my concern the, the match itself that can take care of itself but the, the pressure's on the players for that I don't know who on earth I book on the post-match <laughs> Newcastle shows yeah. I, I, me and Josh Sexton are going to have about 10 meetings to try to work <laughs> it out because you can't you can't be putting games at 8 o'clock on New Year's Day think that this dreadful collection of humans that we have to work with are going are gonna, are gonna to be, be able to produce the goods. Yeah, no, no. Look, really looking forward to it. Really excited. I, I think we can only get better from here. And, you know, getting better from top of the league is not a bad place to be. Not at all. And that's where I think we've got to give massive credit to the team that this week... Absolutely. You know, there was three games this week, three, you know, games that 
all of us, I think, if we're honest, expect us to win or really think we should win. But you've got to put in the hard work to do it. And they have. They've really grafted, you know, in the wind and the rain, as we alluded to earlier, yeah. in difficult conditions, especially midweek, you know, a new manager, Sheffield will snap into everything. Yesterday, Palace really, really were fighting for their lives, weren't they? Because they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle the way things are, are looking at Palace. They've lost like four in a row at home. They were a lot of tactical fouls, a lot of a lot of just trying to stop throwing, stop free kicks happening, which surprisingly ends in a booking if you do it. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of fighting and clawing that we had to do to get these nine points. Is you know we've earned them, and that's made the possibility of those next two huge games. It's put them right where we want them to be. I think you can get yourself. You know, we've talked about like maybe we're talking a little bit negative about aspects of the performance. We can all, in the heat of the moment, think. And watch a performance and think, oh, we're you know we're not cut out to be league champions here. You know, City don't do this. City don't throw these in. Arsenal don't throw these in. But what you have to remember is like Arsenal coming away with a four three at Luton. Arsenal drawn at home to Fulham. They're saying the exact same things. They're feeling the same way. Last minute winner at Brentford. Last minute winner at Brentford. City conceding four at home to uh, sorry away to Chelsea. Three at home to Spurs. They're starting to think the same things. Every team and every set of fans yeah. have their doubts. And the main thing is, as you say, coming out of these with the points. And I've 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 I'm really relaxed about these three home games. I think we're, I think there's a really strong chance we get nine points. It's almost like going 1-0 down to Burnley on Boxing Day that I'm more worried about. And that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I think we'll win these home games. I think we're going to be in a really healthy position now. Yeah, no, I completely agree with Andy. I think it, you know, I think a lot of the talk this season has been, uh, you know, how good are Liverpool? You know, I think you've seen people saying yesterday, you know, Liverpool are top of the league and we still don't quite know how good they are. I think where I got frustrated yesterday is, I think I do know how good we are. I just like them to show it a bit more. But like I said before, you know, which, you same, know not, show, not showing it when we're top of the league. You know, all, all, all you know, you know, the fight, the heart, the will to win, that's all been there. And Neil's right to say, you know, they've, they've done a real job getting them nine points, and that's all come from desire, I think. And, you know, real character, you know, being, being down one nil, but, you know, with 10 15 to go, you know, they really have to show that. So for me, I'd rather them add that. You know, I know the quality's going to come. If they weren't show, you know, if they if they were, if they had the quality, but they weren't showing any fight or desire, I'd be more worried about them, you know, in a, in a title race. I think the fact that they're showing that. And I know what's to come from them. I know there's more goals to come from Nunes. I know Diaz can show more. The Jotters to come back in. Uh, I think the midfield are only going to get better. You know, it's really hard playing midfield for Liverpool. I think it will click eventually. Um, yeah, no, I think they're only going to get better. And, you know, I think we're been in for. I think we are in for the title race. Roy Hodgson might be falling out of love of football, but we're not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is that I think the points, the, the idea of the design, Neil, to end it there. I think there is. I think they think they're in it, and for me, yeah. and I think they've thought they're in it. Going maybe, maybe away at Newcastle onwards. I think, but I think even before then, because I don't think you do what you do away at Newcastle if if there isn't a sort of a collective. And when I say they, I almost mean the players, separate to the manager and the yeah. coaching staff. I think the players have thought the senior players, the lads who've been promoted to the leadership group or to the captaincy or so on. I think they've thought we're we're so in this. And I think you know you think about that. I like that from a managerial point of view. Sometimes you can get carried away with the tactic stuff because I think the manager, like I think part of why he moves Trent into the middle of the pitch is he's, he's thinking he wants to lead on this. Yeah, yeah. I'll put him in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. I'm putting him there for the, you know second half of this. I'll bring Gomez on because part of what I'm doing is I'm saying to you, all right, you think you think we can win this league. You're going to, now going to go and play centre mid, and you're going to be part of the spine of a team that you think can go and win the league. Yeah. And I think all of that's for me. You know, marrying all of those elements, I think, so important. And when you've got substitutes showing that sort of belief and quality that Elliot and Jones do on top of everything else, that's why I think they think they're in it. Yeah. And that, to me, is 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 what's most exciting. And the pain last season was evidently clear after a few weeks into the into the season that they didn't think they were in it. 
you know, last they year. They thought they were nowhere near. Yeah, they thought and, they were yeah. nowhere near, and their heads fell off. And everyone's heads fell off collectively, the fans and the players, you could see it. Whereas the opposite way at all this season, they've been so switched on. We've never seen anything more Steven Gerrard from Trent than we saw last weekend, taking a game by the scruff of the net. No, this isn't happening. Liverpool are winning this game because we're in a title race and I'm going to make it happen. And that's what he did. And I love seeing that. So like giving interviews, talking about everything's up for grabs, we can win it all. You can see from front to back, they all believe it and everything's possible. Everything is possible. Uh, Mo Salah has scored 200 goals for Liverpool. 200 goals. It almost got lost and knocked over in the excitement last night of Harvey Elliott and everything else that went on. 200 goals. And if I was Gordon Hodgson, I wouldn't be sleeping nights. Uh, he is absolutely on the march. Mo Salah uh, up those goal-scoring goal rankings for Liverpool. What did we all do? We all sat round. We said nine from nine. Nine from nine and anything's possible. Well, nine from nine. Sports Social Podcast Network.